Hey, welcome to the final episode of Shift Forward Season 2. We'll be back very soon. But for now, Anton and I discuss the future of work. Before that, let's hear it from our presenting sponsor, CUDOC. CUDOC is the future of healthcare here in the Philippines. To learn more about them, go to www.cudoc.com or download their apps either on Google or on the Apple App Store. And with that, let's listen in to my conversation with Anton. And see you soon. Podcasting from the Pearl of the Orient, Manila, Philippines. This is Shift Forward, where we talk about getting things done and all things productivity. And now your host, Coach Rye and Anton. All right. Hey, good evening, Anton. How are you? Yep, I'm feeling good, Ryan. Thank you for asking. And how about you? Any, I'm good. Any uh, change? Nah, not much. Pretty much the same thing. Still stuck at home, but you know, getting better at this um, stuck at home situation. It's day what now? Seventy five, seventy six, maybe. Yeah, it's two and a half months, or <laughs> going to three months. I I lost count right now, but. Yeah, for me, I'm I, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling better compared to the first month. I I think I already found the rhythm that works for me and my family right now. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm still reading the news because um, I know a lot of people stop reading the news at some point in time. But um, in terms of the way how I see the news, it's more of on the positive side right now it's being updated of what's happening in the society and then um being in line with um how the government is planning to push through with their mm-hmm. plans good yeah. and bad i see things mostly mm-hmm. on the good side yeah you're right i mean i'm exactly one of those people who pretty much stopped following the news uh, you know I, I keep in touch with the, the important ones I suppose but I do not follow everything that's going on just because it's been a trigger for me in terms of you know affecting my mental health <laughs> um, a lot of um, negativity out there a lot of hatred against the government whether it's justified or not it still affects my my, my mental health so I try to lessen it a bit but yeah, so you know, for this one, I think we we I really want to focus on the positive. So, what are we gonna talk about today? I was thinking of we can start with um discussing um, what's the impact of the COVID nineteen situation. All right. In in our country, what will the companies as well as the leaders do to help the businesses um able to cope up with the situation? Um, is this something that um, people are going to work from home all the time or will there be a okay. back-to-office um, strategy or is it something that yeah. more of like a finding the right balance between working from home and then working in the office? For me, I, I, I think it boils down to the, to the leaders in the, in the companies. Um, um, I do not feel like government can do anything that can help the companies and employees. So it should be um, the leaders figuring out what can work in the coming months, maybe even the coming years, because 
we don't know. We we don't know when this COVID will be gone. We don't know when the virus, you know, the the vaccine will be ready. And I don't really feel like any government. Um, well, there there's very few governments who've done anything successful. So I, I think it boils down to companies being able to adjust and help their employees, and by doing so, really help the economy. That's at least how I see it. Right? It it boils down to employees and companies working together and coming up with something new. Okay, and um, I was um, talking about um, a video about the future of work that I've seen in in YouTube, and um, there was a great point in there that um, how the situation affects how we work or how we foresee work in the future. Have Have you watched the video? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I I watched that one. I well, it's. It's a long video, but I watched the first part or yeah. only. The day one was um, very insightful. Um, the thing that um, struck me the most there were the best practices or the practical tips that um, was provided mm-hmm. by um, Mike Walsh, who is the CEO of Tomorrow and author of um, several books. Yeah, yeah. In terms of how we cope up and how we navigate through the day when mm-hmm. whenever we're working in a remote work scenario. Yeah, I mean, I, I love what he, he pretty much said about remote work, right? Like, there are companies who've started to do it, but there's just not enough incentive for people to actually make the change, right? He even used the example of a paperless office, like how and how everybody was asking about that, of how we can achieve that. But there was never an incentive strong enough to, to force organizations to change. And fortunately, you know, it's an unfortunate event, but fortunately that was the good thing that came out of this is that it now forced people or organizations to really think about remote work as a viable option and how to really improve it to make it, to make it um, useful for the companies. I... I pre- I really love how, you know, and I've I've heard the CEO of Nosby say this before. Uh, Nosby is a uh, productivity app, app that I like. That there will be no such thing as remote work; it will be just work. So that's what I love about it. So, yeah, maybe you want to take us to the steps or the the tips that the, he gave us. Yeah, um, the thing that um, I liked about the session of uh, Mike Walsh is basically he's able to provide um, very basic and practical tips about the change in terms mm-hmm. of um, working remotely. And then at the same time, being able to realize that um, the thing that happened with the COVID-19 situation, it's essentially transforming how we see how we're going to work, yeah. whether it's in the office or working remotely. Yep. So... The number one um, best practice that was identified when working remotely is over-communicating. Over, okay. Um, sometimes uh, um, over-communicating is bad because it, it, it tends to become more repetitive and then being very stubborn in a negative way. But um, what, the, what, what Mike Walsh was emphasizing is um, letting the people know what you're doing. It's essentially being transparent of the things that you're doing so that everyone has visibility on who's doing what and 
when is the work going to be done so right, that yeah, um, yeah. this it's about clarity yes clarity and this eliminates um overlaps within the work and then at the same time provide visibility on who's doing what and mm -hmm. then how does that impact the work that you're currently doing it's it's essentially being visible to the team right yeah providing them the things that you're doing rather than not being able not being heard or not being seen and not mm. being felt by the team but to clarify when we say over communicate the, this is not just for leaders right this is for everybody on the organization right because a lot of times it's about you know people might say over communicating is about leaders telling people what to do or instructing people what the next steps that, that's not what it is right yes exactly um it's essentially um scratching the dynamics of uh team working or the team dynamics wherein we always collaborate through communication there's continuous conversation there's continuous communication mm -hmm. within team members team members to the team leader team leader to the team members yeah. on what to do especially in the absence of the face-to-face um, -face, uh, interaction yeah because we got used to um face-to-face -face interaction in the office when we're, we're in whenever we have questions and then we just um, mm -hmm. look to the left look to the right to yeah. and ask our team member okay how do we go about this but right now that scenario is gone or it's not available mm -hmm. anymore so how are you going to cover that gap when we're working um, remotely? Yeah, but I think, you know, just to clarify again on this one, I, I, for me, over-communicating is not about having meetings and meetings and meetings. That has to be clear, right? There are, the communication can be done, you know, by documenting stuff, maybe sending an asynchronous email or asynchronous message. It doesn't have to, because for me, the, the bad rep about over-communication is that there is the, the synchronous kind of communication. So that means we have to align every our schedule and meet at that time. And that is just not productive because that can sometimes be against somebody's flow of work. So I, I think that's a clarification that I feel is very important for people to, to realize that over-communicating is, you know, communication is not just face... Um, video meetings and video conferences no it's about letting other people know what is going on and that can be done in so many ways so yeah over communicate is definitely one of the you know the, the first best tip that was shared and I, I totally agree with that yeah and over communication is not restricted to within the team it's also within the within your stakeholders mm, yeah. um, because okay. right now when whenever we're communicating with our stakeholders it's more of like um the high level stuff but right now they're not seeing they also um, they're not seeing us in the office and then um we're not visible to them but how do we become visible to them um where when we're working at home it's essentially identifying ways like having um regular touch points or meetings with them and then at the same time, using other communication channels for them to be able to feel us and then be able to see that um, 
were within their grasp or if they need something or they need a quick answer we're always there to be able to provide answer to their questions right okay great so that is over communication so not just within but also including other stakeholders outside of your team and talking about teams that's also where the the second tip is talking about right yeah it's empowering small teams okay so empowering small teams is and this one is pretty much uh, very close to your heart because this is pretty much where agile is all about right about small smaller teams leaner teams am i correct to, to say that yes okay um, um there might be different terms like um forming uh, squads or pods teams, yeah pods. yeah pods. and but this is essentially letting the team resolve their the issues on their mm. own or identifying the the important things that they need to work on this is how they're able to use some collaboration tools for them to be able to come together and do something worthwhile or address some important matters for them to be able to resolve an issue or yeah. resolve a problem mm -hmm. and then be able to make an impact or add value to their work yeah and i think you know for me the way i put it in a simpler terms is really to to take away the the red tape right the, the um because you know as as a team gets bigger there's a lot of red tape there's a lot of politics even so having the small teams, empowering the small teams, and like you said, letting them figure it out and solve them, um, it, it just moves quicker, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's uh, removing the bureaucracy. Of uh, there the you process. go. <laughs> That's pretty much it, yeah. This, so, is fo this is focusing essentially on the result rather than the process. Mm. Um, I, I mean, the, the teams or the team members within, within your team they are the you are the ones essentially who who hired them or put them in a place where they can mm -hmm. they're able to provide or um, add value to to the customer or to the organization that's why it's very critical that um, how you manage a team and essentially enabling them so that they're able to do things on their own without much uh, attention from you as a team manager mm -hmm. so that um, they have, they're, they're able to achieve a sense of accomplishment as a team rather right. than sense of accomplishment individually because team work is very critical to the organization, especially during the remote work scenario. Yeah, because you don't really have you can lose that sense of team if you do not see each other. So yeah, I like that. And, and I think that also now relates to the, to the next tip again, because um, the next tip is really talking about designing our interactions. And that is, I feel like this is something needed for a team to still feel like a team, even without the face-to-face, -face, right? Designing your interactions. Yes. Um, when, when I think of how to design your interactions, um, um, several things come into mind right. number one the team meeting or team huddles mm. how are the team members able to communicate among one uh, amongst each other yeah then how is the team manager able to communicate 
his plan and the direction to the team members. Right. Um, what is the setting? Do you um, conduct um, daily stand-up or daily huddle? And then how are you able to um, how are you able to coach your team members? Um, yeah. Do you have regular one-to-ones? And then is the cadence of accountability clear to every team member? Mm-hmm. Because the commitment that um, you get is very critical for the team members to be able to do their work or to do their job accordingly. Because if they're not committed to the work, you won't get mm-hmm. any good yeah. good results from yeah. them. But, but for you, Anton, what has worked for you in terms of, you know, with your team in, in the interactions? What has worked for your team? What is a sample of how you have designed your interaction differently um, with the work from home? Okay, so this is um, doing several channels in terms of um, communication. So we have the office um, communication tool, the, the Skype channel, mm. wherein we conduct the um, uh, team meetings. Okay. Depending on the urgency. So um, minimum, there's... Um, there's a one-week um, team meeting, okay. but for a bigger team, um, I do a daily meeting or what we call a daily stand-up. So you have daily stand-ups, uh, same time every day. So that that works for your team. Yeah, same time every day um, okay. for us to be able to um, have this habit or mm-hmm. start of the gather wherein okay. um, what are the priorities for the day, yeah. who's going to do what, and then what are the impediments that um, right. potentially we're going to... Im- impediment. So that's pretty much what's your blocker, right? That's yes, that's the, the terminology we use in, in tech before. What's what? Do you have a blocker or something? Yes. I, I think for me, you know, I mean, I, I asked that because I, I kind of I've always felt like um, it's hard to do daily stand-up in a remote team. I I prefer actually a just sending a chat or you know so that it's asynchronous, right? So not because again everybody has their own situation at home. So I I've I kind of want to start transitioning to that. I still I still need to be designed that a bit so how that will work. But one thing that caught my attention from the from the YouTube are the one-on-ones because. That is something that I started to miss. Miss meaning I did, you know, not miss. I miss it, but it's more of I I do not do it as consistently as I used to. You know, it, it's it's weird because from what I've heard, a lot of people are actually starting to do more one-on-ones, but it became opposite to me. So I think that's that's one for me that I have to design that particular interaction so it becomes more consistent. And yeah, I and to make my team, uh, I think my team also understand it or realize that I'm still there, right? That I that I'm looking out for them, that I still care about them, and you know, yes. yeah. So that's just a that's just a, a personal uh, realization. <laughs> yes. Um. Initially, I was not fond of um doing one to ones, but um when I was attending uh. Uh, general assembly in my daughter's school mm-hmm. where the president of the school was um, talking 
and she mentioned a phrase that um struck me and i always keep on reminding myself whenever i'm doing one-to-ones or doing coaching sessions connection before correction you're not going to be able to guide someone if you're not connected with him or her so yeah, yeah. the one-to-ones is, is a perfect venue for you to be able to connect with your team members, mm-hmm. to know where they where are they coming from, to know their mm-hmm. perspective, to know how they see things, to yep. know what they can do or what they can put on the table for for him or her to be able to help the team. Yeah, no, I mean I totally agree with that. I think it's just um, I so. The, you know, for me, before the remote work, before COVID, I did a lot of one-on-ones. And it was after COVID that I could not find that moment to have the one-on-ones with them uh, because there was just so many things going on. So, yeah, and that's exactly why it's it's hard for me to connect with them again because I didn't have that schedule. So I totally agree with that con- connection before correction. So I love that. Thank you. Yes, and just to add to that, it's one-to-ones are time-consuming, <laughs> yeah. and then these are somehow draining in terms of um, energy because you have to put a lot of focus on the one-to-ones. Yeah. There are one-to-ones that might be uh, as quick as having a chat with um, your friend, but there might be one-to-ones that are can be dragging because of the situation of the team member. Mm-hmm. But um, for me, what I can say, this what the one-to-ones are somewhat a long-term investment. Oh, yeah. Don't look at one-to-ones as investment or something like you, you do so that you'll be able to get the results um, uh, a couple of weeks from now. This is something that um, you're going to invest time, you're going to invest effort on, for you to be able to be for you to be able to connect yeah. with your team members and then at the same time form a bond a strong bond wherein um, there is a two-way interaction there is dialogue between a team manager or a team leader and to his or her team members so that um, the team dynamics is there there's no miscommunication and then the expectations are set and the transparency between both parties are very evident and clear. Yep. And, and yeah, so again, right, going back to the tip, it's really for us to design our interactions in such a way that we're able to accomplish these, um, you know, the, this connection with our team, whether that be one-on-one, whether that be with the whole team meetings, and find that um, whatever it is that can help your team um, achieve the, you know, still connect and have and i like also that he actually includes that you still gotta find that fun interaction as well so because that also the fun interaction is also part of a long-term investment that you have right because if you and it's not as easy now (laughs) because before it's it's easy you can just you know randomly go up to them but right now you can't <laughs> it, it just right you, you can't just give them a call and knock knock yes. joke right 
so so yeah so okay that's that's tip number three uh so uh just got to go over quickly it's cover communicate empower small teams desire interactions and let's go to the fourth one you you, you kind of mentioned this a bit but earlier but i really love this so um fourth one is focus on output not process yes as mentioned um remote work there will be absence in terms of um face-to-face um interaction so rather than focusing on the how mm-hmm. focus on the what what yeah. is expected from them what are the targets of your team members in a given day. Right. So this is essentially in line with the agile way of working mm. um, where there was a mention of a company. This is a manifesto, right? This is part of the manifesto, if I'm not mistaken. The agile manifesto. Right. <laughs> um, um, there's a mention of this um, company who's um, undergoing um, agile transformation. Um, so it... It was mentioned in the video that um, doing Agile is basically focusing on the purpose and engagement. Mm -hmm. How are we able to trust people to find the right solutions? To give them authority to pursue things in their own way. Mm -hmm. Identifying opportunities to measure the people on what they were able to achieve or bring to the table than simply uh, managing them or monitoring them that they were able to log into their PCs or their machines on their work shift and then logged out after their work shift because it's essentially being results driven. How is the organization or or Mm -hmm. how as you as manager is results driven is it yeah. are you output driven or are you process driven and yeah. what is the best um scenario for you yeah no and you know for me this is always something that i've i've you know when i was still in corporate it this is pretty much what i was always quote unquote fighting the other managers about because for me them not allowing the remote work tells me that they do not know how to manage the output, that they are just managing the people or seeing people work, right? Because, and, and they do not trust their people to be working outside of, um, you know, when they are not seen. Now, you know, I may have gone overboard with that generalization, but that's what pretty much I'm saying that, hey, you know, we have to be able to trust people to deliver. And if they don't deliver, then, you know, there goes, uh, we go to another way to, we go to another level on that, but we have to be looking at output. We have a process that is to guide you, but the process is not an excuse to not come up to an output. If it doesn't help you, then we fix the process because ultimately the process is not important. It is the output. Yes, exactly. Because if you're not delivering the output that's expected from you, maybe there's something that <laughs> needs to be fixed within the process. Yes, yes. And this is something that uh, um, I can recall for for this month, wherein I was um, speaking to a leader of a very big group, and 
she was asking me on how to adapt to the remote work scenario because she noticed that um, during the when the team started working remotely um she cannot the the chats or the messages that she sends to the people are not answered immediately and i asked her why do you need to send questions to these people is it because you need something from them and then she said yes how are you setting the targets for the day is it clear on their end and is it something that um, they need to work on and it's something for you to be able to monitor and track for the rest of the day and she was able to identify um pretty vague targets but um was unable to identify the real target of um, the team for for the day and what i did was um tell her that rather than trying to ask questions or monitor the team for the whole day or for some parts of the day um try to come up with some clear and specific targets for the day so that you will not need to monitor your team every hour or every mm. two hours within the day yeah. but they'll be able to manage their time accordingly if they're not able to produce or um come up with the results that you've wanted then discuss that the following day what were what were the factors that prevented them from achieving the targets mm -hmm. and then how are you able to help them yeah. achieve the targets yeah and and i think you know when, when you talk about that right yeah, that one is really encouraging that leader to be f focused on what the instructions so that the output is, is clear right and also that i i feel that that also touches the next point that we're about to bring up the next tip which is about finding new team rituals because sending a message in the middle of the day you know to monitor people is maybe her ritual but that is not a ritual for the rest of the team that's why they're not replying and what you suggested to the to that leader actually about you know setting the goals for the day can be the new ritual it can be that you can give them the directions at the start of the day and they you know the next ritual is then what happens after so i i think that's you know a, a great way to to go about this is that you have to find new team rituals um to make that 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 works for you and your team in this remote situation yeah finding team rituals is essentially identifying ways to engage the team mm -hmm. it can be work related or non-work related and um in the video it was mentioned about there was a mention about um virtual coffee or mm. starting your day not talking about work but rather than enjoying the cup of coffee and then being visible with your team members and then talking about anything under the sun or um, yeah. what are the things that they're coping in terms of um, the situation that they're currently in it's essentially discovering things 
outside of the workplace yeah. among team members. Yep. And, and I think part of that, like you mentioned, you know, starting the day, starting meetings with how are you and uh, how are you is not about work, but, you know, beyond work, personal, because that that allows you to to stay in touch with people. And I love what Mike Walsh mentioned that we should watch out for loneliness in our teams. So that's something that, you know, we, we can implement some kind of new ritual. So that's one coffee, uh, virtual coffee is one, a virtual lunch, lunch, so-called meeting is one. So that, that may be something. So you have to find something. We have to find something that works for our teams. And yeah, so I think that that's it for virtual finding new team rituals. Yes. The next one, I, I, I need your help on this, Anton, because I, I, I need to understand this more. What does it mean to collaborate widely? Yes, um, we were discussing in the first five best practices that um, we've identified about the need to be engaged, be collaborative, or communicate with your team members. However, as a team, you are not just within the confines of your team, but you're also part of a bigger team. Or you, your team is a team among a bigger team. Mm. So for you to be able to make an impact on the other teams, how are you going to create opportunities or create communication channels to be engaged with them? Especially mm. if you're going to be working with them in the near future or you're going to be working with them because they're able to deliver something that you need from a project perspective okay. or from a deliverable okay. perspective. So, so this is what you mentioned earlier about when, like, for example, is the, the over-communicating. I think you mentioned that it has to be entered inside the team and also outside the team. So this is pretty much us going out of the team, collaborating with maybe the bigger, the, the other parts of the company. And even, I suppose, down to our suppliers or our, um, I guess, consumers, if that may be the case. Yeah. So you're kind of widening that, that net in terms of communicating and collaborating with them. Yes, it's essentially widening your span of um, influence or your network for you to be able to mm -hmm. think outside of the box and then be able to realize that your team is also connected to other teams and how your team is able to connect with um, those other teams yeah, will yeah. be critical in terms of mm. how you are able to bring in the result or provide the, the output that is needed from your team. Yeah. Because well, espe especially in a very big organization, mm -hmm. we, we, um, some teams tend to focus um, within the team yeah. but forget or fail to realize that before something um, goes into their team, um, they need other teams to function so that um, they'll be able to do what the, the work that is expected from them. Yeah, and what I love about this with, with what Mike Walsh is saying is, especially in a remote environment, I think some of us tend to now feel like you know, we're constricted or we're restricted to talking with our team. So no, it is forcing us to really think wider, think about 
the bigger uh, a way to influence others so okay collaborate widely i got that now <laughs> thank you for explaining that uh, let's yeah. go to the last part um i i this i like but i i don't, i'm not so sure how i can implement this with with my team so democratize democratize your data yeah um this is essentially <laughs> um data being used as a unified source of truth and it's providing context to a statement with evidence and that evidence is the data mm -hmm. how do we use data in communicating and framing our conversations whenever i say for example um ryan you're spending too much on gadgets whenever i say that i should back it up because ryan you're spending too much because um, 80 percent of your earnings are being spent mm. on your gadgets whereas okay. the normal mm. people spend x percentage on their gadgets right and it's something that um we're able to substan substantiate and put context or contextualize our statements with data it's supporting something with evidence and that evidence is data yeah no I, I i think i get it like so in 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 a way if you relate that to number one which is over communicate that's also communicating with data meaning if we're we're going in this direction because this the data says so um i i think you know that helps people especially in this remote work environment because we we have evidence or we have context on why a decision is made and it just allows people to support that decision i guess that that helps in that in that sense right yes exactly mm -hmm. because at the end of the day if you're a leader or if you're a team member you want to have fact-based discussion yeah it's not as much as we want it should be data-driven mm -hmm. supported by facts yeah. rather than the gut feel so that it it makes the conversation it makes the dialogue right um factual it makes the dialogue more objective rather than very subjective yeah what i like about the democratize is that i'm sure leaders when they when they've made decisions in the past they have data to back it up but democratize means to say here's the facts and that's why here's the decision yes so it's essentially making data available to everyone mm -hmm. so that you're in the conversation wherein the subjectivity is minimized and the objectivity is maximized i love that okay great so we already have the seven tips that were shared right so let's just go through it one by one over communicate empower small teams design your interactions focus on output not process find new team rituals collaborate widely and democratize your data i guess in the, in the end i love the question that was posted here i'm not going to answer it right now but it, let's just give it to to the listeners and that we want them to think about this and that question is how does your leadership style how does it need to change when there is no one around to physically lead anymore right what do you need to do now in this new age in this future of work yes exactly 
for the, our listeners, let us know how your leadership style changed during this remote work scenario. What are the things that you did to adapt to the remote work revolution that, we're, that we are currently facing right now? All right. So leave a message, send an email, and thanks again, Anton. Talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you, Ryan. And for everyone, have a productive day ahead. Thanks again for listening to Shift Forward. This is Coach Rai with Anton. And if you have any questions for us, please do leave a message through Anchor or you can always send us an email at hello at shift-forward.com. That's hello at shift-forward.com. Thanks and talk to you again soon.